0: Welcome to Podme If You Can for 2012. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And this is our film and television podcast where we discuss film and TV. A quick note on spoilers. Uh, We're discussing the films always after having watched them. So if you don't want crucial details of the film ruined, uh, maybe rent or buy or watch the film in theatres before listening to the rest of this podcast. Today we're talking about the adventures of Tintin, the secret of the unicorn, the newest film by director Steven Spielberg. It's based on the famous comic book series written by Hergé, which was first written in 1929. And uh, he was one of the. It's, it's series is one of the most popular European comics of the 20th century, and uh, translations have been published into more than 50 languages. More than 200 million copies have been sold to date. Lloyd, there are 25 books. Will we see 20 sequels? Yeah, it's uh, possible. I think this is going to go
1: down as a big, big, massive summer movie. Um, I don't know if the figures are out on it yet. But, um, yeah, I can see right away that kids are going to come, you know, rushing to the cinemas to watch this. It looks absolutely fantastic.
0: I guess there's always the danger that kids won't have heard of Tintin. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean I, um, I think he's revived the whole
1: franchise uh, yeah. with this. I, I heard a lot of purists. The reviews are really mixed. The purists weren't liking where Spielberg has taken it but I thought it was a great reinvention for the modern uh, cinema going audiences um, I think they, the kids are right into that sort of take on Tintin I guess I watched it when I was young the cartoon series and I did read the books and I'm shocked at how much I forgot and didn't know I was like oh were there twin cops in this whole thing you know I didn't Thompson remember that and Thompson. at all yeah Thompson Thompson yeah. I, was
0: like, I don't remember that did he have a dog <laughs> of course he had a dog <laughs> Um, well, this one was the amalgamation of three books. Yep. It was um, Hergé's estate gave permission for several stories to be combined. It was uh, Red Rackham's treasure, the secret of the unicorn, obviously, in the title, mm. and also the crab with the golden claws. And the reason for that one was so that audiences could see how Tintin and Captain Haddock first met, which I think was really important. What did you think of their relationship? Yeah,
1: that was great. Um, that that was excellent. Like uh, He was funny he was uh tough um you know um i think having him as an alcoholic though wasn't a great like role model like really shows that how dated that was like i don't think you could get away with a new character like that um today but you know but no he was great
0: well yeah i mean if we talk just for a second about that i mean fear and not fear and loathing in las vegas what is the las vegas movie with Nicolas cage um, leaving Las leaving Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas. Yep. That he won the Academy Award for, obviously, as a serious film. Yeah. Seeing the trials of an alcoholic. Yeah. Is really interesting and and it's serious. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Not a f- laughing matter. In fact, the guy killed himself before the film, you know, came out. So
0: yeah. Not very Nicolas serious. Cage. No, no. The, the character it's based on. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, but when you think about Captain Haddock, it's a children's film, obviously. Yeah. In 1929, as you say, perhaps alcoholism was a little more... Yeah, yeah,
1: acceptable, comical, you know. They didn't see... I guess it was common. (laughs) uh, That's the way they were treating it. But, um yeah heavy themes it's not something you should play with in a kids film you know
0: actually yeah i found it a little bit disturbing um and they and treat it s- funny
1: like oh yeah he's just an alcoholic oh that old drunk he's yeah. swinging at us almost killing us uh, you know he's about to crash us into a building oh he's a funny man
0: <laughs> yeah and when he has a drink he goes you might want to stand back like you're yeah. expecting him to get violent as yeah. well and it was treated like very comical yeah yeah, or, comical. yeah, yeah, yeah. um Another thing, when he's trying to kill himself, when he's on the boat and he's like, well, I can't live up to the Haddock name, I'm just going to jump into the water, probably for the best, yeah, yeah, right before the plane starts shooting at them, I was really feeling sad about that. I was like, oh, wow, this is really pretty big downer for a children's yeah. film. Um, that did stand out for me. Yeah, yeah, something really strange. It's interesting how
1: daring Spielberg was willing to go with the pace. I found the start of it, like, although we go right into it, like, there's no you know slow build up to who Tintin is we go right into the mystery uh it's a very slow paced beginning um i found um very steadily building up um towards it which i liked um but i know i looked across and we were in the cinema with a lot of kids there we were and they were getting a bit restless but they enjoyed it um throughout but yeah normally it's right away you got to get them their attention you know and spielberg yeah. chose to go the other way and go with much more pace
0: well, it's Spielberg's first animated film. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, much better than Warhorse. <laughs> well, we Don't can bring agree. that up again. <laughs> yeah. If anybody listening to the podcast hasn't heard our War Horse podcast... Uh, that was just t- a red, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, which we probably, probably won't talk about uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> but that one's online. You guys can find it on the site. Um, I was going to say, it, I feel like this will almost certainly get another film. It'll, at the end, it says, um, you want to go off and find the treasure. You know, there's kind of a... A link to will be successful
1: sequel. if they do it well um With Peter Jackson, Steven Spielberg at the helm, they the they'll the they'll well with it, I think.
0: Well, yeah. of um, the thing is, uh, they've said publicly that if they were to do a second one, Peter Jackson would direct it. Wow! And Spielberg would shoot the second unit stuff. I guess so. Yeah, and, cool. And for the third film, they would co the so it sounds like they're planning a trilogy.
1: What did you think of the style that... Well, I don't know what it's called. It's Motion capture? Is it motion capture or animation? What did you think it's of It's sort that?
0: of a mix, they said. Um, motion capture for most of it. And like Snowy is animated. There's some CGI elements yeah. in there. Um, crazy realistic at, yeah. at times. I feel like um, when they were in Morocco and when you, they were in the water, the water looks crazy yeah. real. Um, the detail on the hair... Yeah, that yeah, as yeah. well. I mean I think where they're losing it is the faces, but obviously they're trying for a more cartoony look. Yeah. This isn't the film that's trying to um replace actors. Yeah, yeah replace yeah. actors. Have you seen an Al Pacino film called um Simone? No. Okay. It's uh of Simone stands for Simulation One and she is basically a made up CGI person who um he uh, through a program he uh, inserts a little more audrey hepburn or a little more cameron diaz you know personality or look? Uh, no look okay. and like acting ability yeah it's basically like a, a blank program like a face yeah. that he can make say certain lines and in certain tones and stuff right and he inserts her into a film and everybody loves her and they embrace her and the world thinks she's real and he has to get dummies and like um other people to pose as simone it's you know, fairly comical film we should probably check out sometime. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. That sounds fantastic, yeah. But it
0: deals with this kind of replacement of actors, yeah. you know. Um, in a way, this has still got actors in it, I mean, but they're completely it sort of covered It must be a over.
1: director's dream, though, not have to put up with the limitations of shooting on an actual, you know, with actuality. Like, I think we saw, like, on the movie, we saw pre-behind-the-scenes stuff of the director and Peter Jackson talking about motion capture, and they could just take the camera anywhere they wanted to go they can do the craziest shots it's and similar. they love it as a tool but uh i don't know if actors do because really you're replacing them um it's the same might be the same voice might be the same movements but it's not them
0: on screen something i found really interesting i thought andy circus was really amazing as captain haddock yeah but he wouldn't be able to be nominated for any acting awards oh that's true because yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's an acting performance he's done but he's in an animated film. And now, I don't think there is a category in Golden Globes or Oscars for best performance by an actor what, in How would you then put an put Avatar, Avatar, then? Well, Avatar got nominated for as a film. Yeah, yeah. But it but wasn't nominated no, with for with the acting.
1: actors, the performance. Like, would you count the actors, like or Sam Wellington playing the part as the... Would you count that as... You know, it's like 50-50, isn't it? He's animated and then he's not, yeah. Yeah,
0: so see if he was up for a, an acting award... That would make more sense because he has more screen and time. Golem as well, like Golem as well. Yeah, Lord of the Rings? yeah King sure. Kong was also played by Andy Serkis, same right. guy who did Captain Haddock. Yeah, yeah. And also he was in the latest Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, he was playing sort of Caesar, the main monkey. Right. But it's a really difficult, like uh, role, in any of those roles to get nominations. Yeah. Because in a way they think you could do all these takes and they could just tweak things a lot. I guess it doesn't feel as like accepted by uh award institutions the first
1: uh film that was really a breakthrough and it was like the warning signs of this was final fantasy and that got you know didn't get big reviews or anything but oh, actors I, are here to stay and i have just, actually seen that i yeah, did not think it was very good No, uh, and now we have tintin uh which has really come leaps and bounds compared to that one mm. um and you know it's pretty scary where it's headed you yeah know? great for directors and writers but not so much for actors Because it did look pretty fantastic. It did.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a new standard for um, children's films. Like, uh, most children's films seem to be animated these days. Mm. You get a few, like, um, Freddie Highmore movies where little kids are running around, Nanny McPhee, things like that. Those aren't going to go away. But the ones that are nominated for awards, if you look at the Golden Globes... Uh, Rango, You've got Arthur, Christmas. You've got, um, I think... The Pixar domination as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I stand by my choice to say Tintin's going to win the Golden Globe. Wow, okay. Yeah, because, like, it blew me away. Like, I hadn't seen it at the time. I'd only heard really great things and I thought it stood out in the field. Yeah, yeah. Having seen it, it's really great. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I did want to ask you, um, do you know how Peter Jackson met Spielberg? No. Well, um... Spielberg was standing there in front of 800 million people and he said uh and the academy award goes to Peter Jackson. And Peter Jackson came up to accept his best director of The Oscar. first time they met. It's the first time they ever met. <laughs> Isn't that kind of interesting yeah, just yeah. to think that's the makings of this collaboration? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was good. <laughs> um Yeah, I guess my main issue with Tintin was that being familiar with the story being familiar with all of it, having read it um, as a kid and also having seen the TV series, is that I wasn't very surprised with all the direction it went. okay. I'd be really interested because I knew what was going to happen. You know, I kept expecting things. Um, I'd be really interested to hear what people think who have no idea who Tintin is and who watch the film completely fresh. Um, we're planning on reviewing The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Have you read the book? I haven't read the book or seen the original film. Nor have I. Good. So <laughs> we, we will have that experience when we, when we put that podcast well, did up. Did you
1: like what Spielberg did with it? Because I know a lot of purists, uh, it's been mixed with purists. Well, How did you feel about it? I Jamie? thought
0: uh, Jamie Bell, who played Tin, gave us a really genuine... Tintin. Yeah, I thought Andy Circus was phenomenal as Captain Haddock. I thought he stood out like amazingly, like uh, true to how I imagined Captain Haddock to be. Um, On the whole, it was just like a really good adaptation. Um, People were whinging online that there was no Professor Calculus. Um, He's a character that, for those of you who don't know, he does feature in those books. Just um, kind of like a little professor character who's friends with Captain Haddock and also Tintin. I was a little disappointed with Snowy. Now, um, there's a scene in the film where another dog appears. And that dog looked crazy real. Like, um, they shine a torch on it when they're breaking into Mullins by hall, And uh, I looked at that dog and went, whoa, that looks like a real dog. Right. But Snowy, being CGI, I know they had to do the character of snowy as cgi because he needs to smile and do a lot of stuff he has to do so much yeah yeah but i would have appreciated a more realistic looking snowy yeah if you're going to have camels and um other dogs that all look really realistic snowy looks really out of place Sure. You know, I was yeah. a little miffed by that. I don't know. Did you no, see No, I, I in-
1: didn't get that, no. Um, but I see, see what you mean. Yeah, the dog did look crazy real. and There was a contrast between the two. There was, yeah. yeah. One was very cartoony and the
0: other was more real, yeah. One of the biggest laughs of the film was when the two dogs go head to head as well. Yeah. So, um, the cinema loved that. Yeah. They didn't seem to go nuts for many things, though.
1: Yeah, like it wasn't a big, massive reaction. I think it was more um, so the pacing... Um, I don't know, maybe it was just too slow at the beginning at times. Something
0: I found was the first uh, two minutes, let's say, was completely silent. It was about uh, seven different sort of Amblin logo, Paramount logo, whatever logos for all of the um, production companies. And it was dead silent. And everybody in the cinema, there was a few giggles, there was a bit of whispering, nobody really knew what to do with it. There was a little bit where we thought, I guess, the projector had broken down. (laughs) Um, that, That sort of slowed it right down. Then you get into this animated sequence. It's it's
1: interesting. An animated credit sequence, rarely you see that nowadays. Normally it just goes, you know, after the Paramount logo or what have you, it just goes you know, the title of the film and then we're straight into it. They don't
0: bother with a title sequence. It's yeah. great to see one, but... It is. It was like a little adventure in itself. Yeah. And two things I noticed about that... Oh, we saw
1: that in Mission Possible too, didn't we?
0: Oh, I didn't like that. <laughs> um, but anyway, the yeah. uh, Tintin one, two things I noticed. One was that all the text in the opening and closing titles was the same text they use in all the books. Brilliant, yeah. Which was really good to see. Just made it really familiar. Yeah. And the other thing was um, in the background when they're running in that animated sequence, there's the spaceship that can be seen in the books like Explorers on the Moon and Destination Moon that actually takes them to the moon. I'm guessing there were tons of little things in there that I didn't notice. Right. But I did pick up on a couple. I'm assuming that there were lots of things from the books thrown into that opening title sequence. But, yeah, just a quick one. Obviously, we've only seen it once. So, um, (laughs) difficult to pick them all up. But on DVD, I'm sure. No, it's a great opening sequence. Oh, it's great. The the rights to Tintin... um, Herge, it was the pen name of the um, the author. Uh, he died in 1984, I believe, okay. and um, Spielberg bought the rights at that time because. Oh, her- this is during
1: the Indiana Jones period. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, because he saw it as Indiana Jones for kids, um, the Tin Tin series, and um, it was in development for quite a while. Um, in 1984, he wanted Jack Nicholson to play Captain Haddock wow yeah it would have been great <laughs> Jack could do anything <laughs> I'm not sure it would have been animated though no yeah. like uh, we hadn't really advanced at that point yeah um, he could have done it it could have, would have been like a Goonies
1: it hmm. would have been like a Goonies um, type thing yeah
0: I think it would have been really interesting it probably would have cost a lot more yeah. money to build sets and things like that um, apparently the problem was the screenplay uh Spielberg said it wasn't right and he let the rights expire on Tintin and then he bought them again in 2001. Wow. So years later he suddenly said we've come far enough Let's I could do, do this, this as an animated yeah. film, you know, which is really sort of interesting as well.
1: I wonder if he muscled out anyone else who was interested in <laughs> Tintin.
0: I got to assume so. Yeah. <laughs> um Hergé famously told Spielberg that he thought he was the only one who could bring this to the from big screen from the Indiana
1: Jones background I guess probably I mean at that point I would have been the same yeah
0: yeah which is kind of crazy I mean Hergé is like obviously a big Spielberg fan and to see this happen you know 20 something 25 years after his death and stuff is Mm. is pretty insane yeah yeah but um, sort of a a really great adaptation I thought Um, alright well I I see the Tintin series like the Muppets right Um, where it's been cool and big when we were kids and um it's now being reintroduced to a new series of fans and it makes me wonder what other stuff from like our childhood will become cool again or be sort of reinvented that era
1: is the golden nest egg of all of hollywood every toy you can think of they are making into a franchise. If you can make a uh, movie out of the board game Battleships, That's right. you can do anything. I heard rumors they were making Asteroids. I heard rumors they were making He-Man again. That whole franchise of the '80s, where there were just com- toys. Like literally, people said Transformers is, is just a commercial. Every episode's a commercial because they introduce a robot. Yep. You buy that robot of the week, whatever. Yep. Um, so Hollywood had no respect for it at that time. Now that generation has grown up. Us they and those films are great excuses for action what have you they are the money makers the that whole era like all the people who made those crazy cartoons are now you know the golden egg of hollywood um the biggest example of that other than the marvel uh, movies is transformers transformers one two and three not great movies but have they made a lot of money yes they have and they will make four five and six i wouldn't be
0: surprised (laughs) yeah i'm not sure whether michael bay will continue or shia labeouf will continue yeah but yeah i completely see what you're saying yeah Yeah. they've been multi-million dollar machines if you pardon the pun the transformers and tintin follows suit oh well tintin's much
1: older but from the 80s i think they generated cartoon around that time and yeah like, hell, they might might make Widget the World Watcher or Chipmunks or the Smurfs. Oh, wait a minute, they've done that.
0: <laughs> oh, except for Widget the World Watcher. <laughs> but the Smurfs, yeah, have definitely I'm made- supposed to have done Captain Planet. <laughs> well, yeah, I was about to say, Captain Planet is... Um- some somebody who's trying to save the planet and there's still issues of environmental global warming they could put like Al Gore Star- <laughs> <laughs> maybe Al Gore could have a cameo yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say I'd love to see a gritty reboot of the Ninja Turtles like a, oh, yeah. a realistic way that they've become the Ninja Turtles just so you know? everyone
1: knows they'll never top the late 80s version that was like my one of my favourite movies of all time
0: <laughs> yeah but I'm sure that you thought the first Batman was the best film it's ever. the
1: best alright the 9.99 <laughs> Batman is the best Batman ever.
0: Apologies to those of you wearing headphones. Um, another one, G.I. Joe. Yeah. Oh, G. yeah, G. that was
1: rebooted, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Kids of the 80s, I mean, love G.I. Joe. And, um, and it probably made a ton of money. It
1: still falls under, is there going to be a director who's going to give it enough respect and treat it right? Well? G.I. Joe, you could make a great franchise out of it, but yeah. they decided to play it quick, get a second-rate director, bunch in a whole, you know bunch of crappy stars in the lead and then, you know, put a whole bunch of CGI and effects and then you got your moneymaker.
0: Well the latest G.I. Joe, just to touch on it, has both the rock and Bruce Willis. So Oh well maybe not that bad. I <laughs> <laughs> guess we'll see what happens, hey Um at the very beginning of the film we'll go back to Tintin. Okay, yep. The 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 point of the podcast. <laughs> I know we got a little sidetracked. Um the pictures at the beginning when he's um, sketching Tintin. Dude, that was great. Yeah. A little nod. <laughs> the, um, the guy sketching apparently resembles Hergé. Oh, wow. I, I wasn't aware of that. But as we well know, having seen it, he turns around the picture and it's the original 2D Tintin. And uh, he says, I think I've captured your likeness. <laughs> you know? um, one thing I noticed was all the sketches behind the guy were other characters from the Tintin books, Wow. Which is great. Fantastic. Great to see. I I couldn't remember exactly what stories they were from, but each one sort of seemed familiar. And, um, yeah, it was just crazy. Um, How did you find the character of Tintin, Jamie Bell?
1: Uh, Well, I'd probably have to talk about the the film as a whole. Like, um, I I liked it. I think kids will grow... grow, uh, will find something attractive about this movie and will pay to see it and it'll make a lot of money. Mm. Um, I... I can't remember too much of the original to uh, to compare. He sounded very familiar, though. He I did think. sound very familiar. And he was that generic enough, I felt, to appeal to all all kids. That's really what Tintin was. Like, he was this really innocent child um, reporter that every kid could project themselves as and go yeah. through this adventure. So he had to be, like, almost so neutral to the point of being bland. And that's what Tintin really is. <laughs> he, he doesn't have a very... Other than being for what's good and right... You know, I don't know what else you can do with a character to not make it boring, but, yeah, he was just that character, you know. Yeah. Very very straightforward. (laughs) Always good. There's not a mark of
0: dirt on him. (laughs) Well, the flip side of that was the evil, and the villain was being voiced by Daniel Craig. Oh, right. Yeah, I had an issue with that because I was hearing Daniel Craig and seeing this very thin, wiry, older gentleman, and it didn't sit right, and I know I'm the only one who's going to get that who was hearing Daniel Craig and going, this voice doesn't fit. I didn't get the- that at all. I didn't know yeah, that was Daniel yeah, Craig. <laughs> did- exactly. I knew I'd be the only one who got that. But I was sort of bugged by it because obviously you enjoy the new Bonds and you-, you know Daniel Craig and you think, oh, yeah, he's-, he's a good actor. And then you hear this voice fitting with this kind of animation that doesn't really match him at all. You know when you watch the Polar Express and it's Tom Hanks basically playing Tom Hanks and they look like Tom Hanks? Yeah. Everything's just bits, you know? Jamie Bell resembled Jamie Bell in some way. Andy Serkis looked a little bit like Andy Serkis with a beard. It's just this guy just didn't look like they were motion capturing Daniel Craig. No,
1: I don't think they were, were they? They got must have been some older. I mean, it's possible. I, sure. I honestly couldn't tell you.
0: I sort of thought at the very beginning of this film... They go to purchase a ship, well Tintin spots this ship at like a trash and treasure kind of bazaar, and he uh, sees it and thinks it's magnificent and buys it because he's Tintin. Everybody knows him. And uh, I thought the policeman who comes afterwards trying to buy the ship off him, and then the villain, played by Daniel Craig, who um, tries to buy it off him. Why didn't they just go to the bazaar earlier to buy this ship that starts all the fuss? Well,
1: yeah, I think the Tintin plots, weren't they all full of conveniences? Conveniences, sure. (laughs) Because,
0: I mean, he had time to get there and have that sketch drawn of him before walking over and accidentally spotting the ship. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like if the other guys knew where it was, they could have got there earlier. That's right. Either one of them bought it. Because that's the only reason Tintin is in this adventure to begin with, is that he... Bought it just before they came in, A little bit of serendipity. (laughs) Um... A few shots that I liked, I wanted to discuss. Tintin has Jaws. Oh, yeah, that was great, because he's got that little flare in his hair,
1: and he's swimming, you just see this red-headed hair (laughs) darting towards him. Yeah,
0: Yeah, just a little uh, out of the water, and just as if he's uh, had Jaws, which I thought was a great little nod to the fact that Spielberg was directing. I bet he he had this big smile the day they were shooting that. Uh, The
1: big issue I had with the film was the physicalities of it. Like, at the start, it seemed guns and goons were threatening like when he's in the ship running around and he fights that guy it seemed like one goon was really threatening everyone it took a lot to knock him out and stuff like that and then we get to a plane sequence you know and it, it really stretches the limitation and then it goes really crazy for me at the big, massive car chase sequence where um, physics... I know it's a kid's cartoon, people are going to say that, but when you introduce at the beginning, you sort of set the laws of where the physics of the sh- of this movie is going to be. And, it, like, a goon was so, so threatening, you really think, okay, this is what hurts Tintin. Yep. And then they're in a bike and they smash into a building, leaving a big, massive den. They drive away fine. I'm thinking... Oh, now we're at that level, you know? And Mm. then we get to the climax, which to me was so ridiculously over the top. This
0: uh, climax had two cranes smashing into each other. Oh,
1: like, effectively, these two cranes were almost like the pilot's sword, and they were just crashing it into each other, fighting. Yep. And uh, to me, that was just so over the top. I didn't know what was going on, but... I. You know, I just had problems with the physical laws of it. When you set Sonic, I think you should stretch it only slightly, and Spielberg just went, you know, too far at times. But it was great. It was a lot of fun. Audiences liked it, I thought.
0: Yeah, that um, one tracking shot you're talking about where they, uh, they're trying to get the three different scrolls. Yeah. And the bird, uh, the falcon, is, like, swooping around, and Snowy It leads to this big chase sequence. It's an epic sort of tracking shot. It's, like, a really big achievement in the fact that it's all sort of done. Um but yeah i completely see what you're saying like we follow the bird we follow tintin we follow thompson and thompson we see what everybody's doing there's a tank at one point you yeah, know there's, yeah. there's a lot going on um it was kind of just thrown in as action though wasn 't it it
1: was especially the last scene i which i didn 't get they They figured this is out, the crane scene, yeah, the crane scene yep. um they figured out where he was going to be he was going to go back to London, the main villain, and they were waiting for the for him there they had interpol interpol, and gosh knows what else, yep. they ambush him, they take him and he takes them like the villain pulls out a gun and everyone runs I'm like what don't you have the cops surrounded that whole port and I also didn't they all that. have guns as well they all have guns as well yeah. yeah yeah I'm just thinking man, this was an excuse just for action you know he was hmm. already caught the movie was over by the time he hit the port and they, they were like oh hi we knew where you are going to be yep. the movie's over but Spielberg had to add in a 20 minute action scene you know for them to have the final sword fight oh gosh
0: yeah I completely see what you're saying um I kind of thought it was a bit anticlimactic that he got there and they captured him and stuff. So I guess I was looking for that extra... It
1: should have been extra, but the way they set it up was wrong. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, the setup
0: the setup wasn't it great. It was very wrong, yeah. Um, but I did think they were going to kind of pursue him and catch him and, like, you know, it would be more epic. Maybe they could chase him instead um but then you don't get the haddock versus his arch yeah rival that's right they needed
1: that closure yeah. for them to face each other in the sword fight i guess but the the way that that was set up was just oh god
0: Speaking of the physicality, there was that scene on the boat where all of the sailors were asleep and just kind of the ship going side to side, they're all falling in and around (laughs) each other. I mean, that was thrown in for kids. Yeah, that's right. You know, like, they all would have woken up. And it's ridiculous that the beds didn't have supportive enough sort of edges that they wouldn't slide a little bit back and forth. (laughs) You know, and I don't really remember that being in the film at all. Uh, Sorry, in the books? In the the book series at all?
1: Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But the dog again let's talk about the realities of this children's film as if they're you know real the dog at the beginning of the film seems hungry he's sitting there for a sketch they go home Uh, then a little while later they run they get chased there's the box Tintin gets thrown in the box they go on the ship the dog sort of catches up the dog hasn't eaten throughout the entire film until that scene with the sliding sailors. I was uh, like Didn't he take a steak though? A sandwich. Yeah, yeah, Um at that point in that scene and I was thinking that's exactly what this dog would do. And I was impressed that yeah. he had to eat at some point. That detail, yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> because he does. He eats a few times and he, he gets drunk um with the bubbles uh, of the alcohol in yep. the plane yeah. when they're sort of in their zero gravity or whatever it is. I was impressed they tried to feed the the animal a little bit. It seemed kind of cruel at yeah. times that he wasn't. <laughs> so do you think that um, animation is the future for kids' films at the very least?
1: Yeah, I think if they can perfect this strategy, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of directors jumped on board because the freedom that they had with it, it was just enormous. Yeah. you got to imagine it
0: was a big budget, but um, the payoff is going to be pretty big too. I can see this making a lot of money and making a couple of sequels. Yeah, I mean, if they've already planned the sequels it seems like they've already got screenplays you know they're saying Peter Jackson directs the next one we both co-directed the third one seems like it's gonna happen yeah and I'll go watch it yeah it was a lot of fun I think um, this sets sort of expectations on kids levels on uh, kids films as well like there's a level of um, this is amazing and you know animation and stuff and since Shrek we've been leaning more that way you know um, oh that's true yeah all the kids films seem to be more and more animated these In days that style as well as the yeah. technology's advanced sure um and i just think that that's the way it's going to be i think while you know other films will still be made as i said nanny mcphee is an example i think we're going to see a lot more animated kids yeah, films definitely. making the money certainly yeah um how old do you think tintin is this is a question that plagues the internet and uh I'm sure people have wondered it.
1: A really young 22-year-old, although he looks 15.
0: (laughs) Um, All right, he lives on his own. Yeah. He owns a dog. He seems to have been reporting for some time. At the beginning of the film, you see all of those newspaper articles. He also owns a gun. You see him pull that gun uh, when uh, someone's at the door and uh, there's that cop whose name I never caught. Um, He does look very young, as you say. Yeah. Uh, Tintin's age is never discussed in the comic books but in 1971 Hergé had an extensive 14 hour interview with a journalist named Numa Sadoul, or Sadal I'm sorry if yep. I'm mispronouncing that in it he said Tintin was between 13 and 17 years really? old he's 13 towards the beginning and 17 towards the end and in a nineteen seventy nine interview he settled the matter again by saying the character was fourteen or fifteen years old, and by the time the the interviewer stated, he said, "Let's say he's seventeen, so wow, that's the age you're looking at no no more than seventeen in both How those. does he pay his rent? I suppose he's an employed but an how employer, long yeah. how long has he been like a journalist for <laughs> to get all those stories? Maybe since he's been 13. Maybe
1: his actual stories are written so kiddish, people just go, oh, (laughs) Tintin. Like the world, the readers just go, oh, yes, you know. He can't spell yet, but...
0: (laughs) Yeah, isn't that bizarre? Because, I mean, at 13... I mean, this explains why he has no sex drive, if you will. He's not interested in women at all. He doesn't drink and he doesn't smoke and there's no really adult things happening.
1: It would be great just to have him, his voice loss you know, drop or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what's wrong with my voice? I'm getting hair in funny places and thinking more about girls. (laughs) Um, I was going to say, where's his family and why isn't he at school? Like, he's 13 years old and I know he's, like, got a journalism degree or something. I think
1: he should have never answered that question and left it ambiguous. Now that it's
0: 13, that opens up so many... (laughs) One last thing. Maybe he is like Doogie Howser. You know, Doogie Howser, M.D., was played by Neil Patrick Harris, and he was a child genius who got to be a doctor and uh, basically oh, yeah, I worked see, yeah. in a hospital. No, that's fair. Maybe it's like the Doogie Howser of... Um, reporting. Yeah. Reporting <laughs> and exploring, I guess, you know. I guess it is a children's film, though, and so they wouldn't really ask these questions. Yeah. You know, they just accept it. And the, the fact that children want to be able to go on adventures themselves yeah if he's 13 you've got
1: to have a character that's versatile enough so that kids can project themselves because when i read Tintin as a book i was like oh man that young kid getting into adventures i'd like to do that
0: yeah you know and that's the thing he does look sort of blank and vague and like a canvas you can project your own adventures into you know yeah um yeah, yeah. so that's a good 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 point. A very good device yeah um bianca castafiore who was the opera singer um, that was featured. a great scene yeah shatters the glass Every, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything looks really realistic there was a couple of guests there that I could have sworn were actual humans you know they looked really good some of the extras yeah. in that Moroccan sequence she is basically the only recurring character in Tintin who is female oh okay you've got Professor Calculus you've got Haddock you've got Tintin oh I've heard Thompson this, this and is Thompson. why
1: Tintin's regarded to be very uh, misogynistic because
0: uh, the writer never put in strong female leads. yeah yeah I mean i sort of there's a lot of unmarried men in this um nobody even has a wife you know sort of thing it is sort of a bit dated if you will um but i sort of see it as herge saying i'm gonna write what i know and i'm uh i'm assuming he was an unmarried man you know certainly at one point he was an unmarried man um so i sort of saw that as him putting his own sort of spin on things and maybe he found it much Easier to write men. Yeah,
1: women were very in the background. The only other female actua- or character I could think of was the, the maid who answered the door. Yeah, yeah.
0: I don't think she was a maid. I think she was like a neighbour who sure, was closer sure. to the door sort of thing. But she was sort of there for more comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's been shot in our doorstep. I, oh, not again. Kind and of I thing. can
1: understand that criticism that people have towards it. Yeah, there's no strong female characters at all.
0: Yeah, and I know it's a children's film, but I got a bit sick of the way people didn't really get hurt, besides that cop getting shot at the door, which obviously you yeah, had yeah. to do, and there was blood on his fingers and stuff. There was a lot of like um, people getting punched off high places and landing in the backs of cars and uh, landing safely, you know, jumping out with parachutes. And, yeah. and uh, I did enjoy the fact that they put in lots of dangerous elements, like the blades and almost sort of killing Tintin. Um, Tintin all- gets knocked out a fair bit as he well. He does yeah. get knocked out a fair bit, yeah. But I think that's actually probably accurate (laughs) to what's been going on in the books
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah that's a common uh tactic in the uh, common strategy in a lot of those detective um old old school detective stories
0: i was thinking um at the very beginning of the film tintin breaks into marlon spike hall where he um is looking for his ship that gets stolen not knowing that he still has the parchment in his own home he breaks and enters into marlon spike hall if the villain, played by Daniel Craig, was so adamant about getting rid of Tintin, couldn't he have pressed charges for breaking and entering, or yeah. something like that? Like, right at the beginning, I thought, it's really weird that they just kind of let him out, and just take it easy. If he's a kid, I guess that makes sense. You know, you can't press charges, they, a and minor. they just
1: shot uh, uh, an American cop, for crying out loud. Yeah. Like, he really meant business, you
0: know? There wasn't, like, a i mean all right Tintin got a lot of criticism online for seeming a bit dumb at times um various people have said that he hasn't been able to figure stuff out as fast as the audience does i mean he's not like thompson and thompson dumb you know when they're in that scene with the wallet thief it's incredibly frustrating you think they may not actually catch this guy <laughs> he's surrounded by stolen wallets yeah you know And he uh, wants to
1: come clean and he's confessing. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um one of the examples was uh there was that three ships um clue in this parchment. It said three brothers, three parchments. It was treated as a huge revelation to Tintin. I obviously remember it from the book and the show. Um did you think he was kind of dumb at times, Tintin?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um I I I gotta be honest, I'm pretty bad with plot. So the whole device and the riddle thing I was like I wasn't even paying attention I was like duh
0: (laughs) North Gold (laughs) I think um, the people criticising that though obviously are adults Yeah and that um, the children would be learning it with him or And he's spelling it out ABC You know, It's got to
1: be so crystal It can't be like a noir you know like Kiss Me Deadly or something Gosh knows what's happening in that film
0: (laughs) Fair enough Yeah um, I thought I would finish this with one more thing. Philip Pullman, who is the author of His Dark Materials, which is the Golden Compass series uh, with Nicole Kidman, that's it. So he wrote those books? He's the author of the, the books that they're wow. based on. Okay. Yeah.
1: And what did he have to do with this film?
0: I'll tell you. Oh. <laughs> uh, he commented that Tintin was one of his favourite characters and that um, that was due to his blankness, his lack of depth, and it makes him an empty page on which adventures can be drawn. Wow, which is what we just said. <laughs> which is exactly what we just said. Um, so we're not the only ones who think that. And uh, if you go and see Tintin, I'm guessing that you'll be able to sort of project a background for Tintin. You know, he he doesn't have any depth. He has no, no backstory. nothing at all. You don't uh, know yeah. why he's uh, seemingly... He could be an orphan. He has no family. He has a dog. He's friends with a captain who's drunk. You know, it's sort of a very kind of children's story you know like the adults are the ones all who he has them. is
1: his driving force to get to the bottom of the mystery and to tell the whole world through his stories that's and, all he's got
0: and uh sense of right yeah. yeah yeah that's 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 Tintin. so i mean good moral compass and you can kind of project what you want onto there so I, I pretty much agree um yeah that's that's it for this week yeah um the adventures of Tintin: secret of the unicorn came out on um boxing day but still in theaters if you're interested in checking it out otherwise i'm sure it's out on tv before christmas let's be honest
1: let's not forget it was shot for 3d so if you can take your kids out to watch it on 3d i'm sure it'll blow them away
0: all right time to get a little business out of the way you can head to www.podmeifyoucan.com and uh, check out any podcasts you might have missed you can always search for podme if you can in itunes radar podcast leave us a comment if you have the time um, next time will be Lloyd's choice of film. Uh, what will we be discussing? Super, which is just coming out on DVD. Yeah, it stars um, Rain Wilson from the US version of The Office. So we'll be uh, into that one in probably less than a week. And um, I was explaining this podcast to a friend of mine and she said, so it's kind of like a book, book club, but with films. So I like that analogy. So if you want to try and watch that film before next week, it's on DVD now. It's available to rent or buy. Um, that's almost it. But if you search PodMe if you can on Facebook, you can become a fan, uh, drop us a line, let us know what you want us to review, and uh, leave us a comment. Until next time. Thanks, guys. All the best. Bye.